0: Rodney Jane here. At Bob Jane T-Marts, we have hot deals for every budget. Buy three and you get the fourth tyre absolutely free on Bridgestone, Yokohama, Goodyear and j And up to $150 instant cashback on Continental, Pirelli, Dunlop and the legendary Bob Jane Allrounder. Plus check out our hot deals on Beef Goodrich All-Terrain Co2s from only $249, all with our best tyre price guarantee. We'll look after
1: you. and supply. apply.
0: Long time. these two do not like
2: each other there are two parts of the story is all red, red flag. flag this is a suspended uh, race
1: hey welcome back to the parked up podcast we're powered by race fields here and my name's Grant Rowley. I've got a special podcast coming up for everyone I've got uh, my old mate jB john bow back on the line and he's currently traveling uh, in the final stages of a road trip from Melbourne up to Noosa jB tell us how the car trip's going
0: Today, Grant. Uh, Nice to talk to you again, mate. Um, I'm here. My partner Leslie is driving the car at the moment, but we've been sharing. Well, I think I've had more shares than she's had, just to be honest. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting. I'm not a big one for road trips, to be honest. And I, I think half the problem that people suffer from in these sort of trips, long trips, is boredom. So. We've been listening to, you know, Formula One podcasts and things but I, I, I'm a great believer that some of our speed limits should be higher than they are on certain roads, like uh, the road from Port Macquarie where we were last night to, you know, basically the, the bottom end of Brisbane is really good road and you, you could do you know 130 or something like that probably without any danger at all. Now we're on the heading towards the Sunshine Coast and the road's crappy and the traffic's crappy. So, you know, if, if our uh, rule makers could actually use a bit of common sense, it would be much better, but I've never seen any evidence of it for the last 50 years, so I don't suppose it's going to happen, is it?
1: Um, okay, We're, well, I'll leave all of those controversies up to the uh, governments and uh, whatever to decide, and you can continue to lobby the thing that I'm most interested in, Leslie, is what is what is JB like as a road trip co-driver for what have you guys been at it for, for two, three days?
3: He's actually been a lot better than I thought he was going to be. So uh, I'm, I I'm, I'm quite proud of him. He's done well.
0: Oh, my goodness.
3: So it's a big trip.
0: I usually cop a fair bit of criticism, <laughs> mate. So... You know, this is a, a bit of an upsurge in my popularity in this car. At the moment.
3: Is. No, he's done well. He's done really well. Um, it is a boring trip in certain areas, but we've had a lot of fun. We've visited my little uh, niece, our little Harley girl.
0: She's um, a, a lovely, a gorgeous little girl. You know, I, I just just I thought she made this really clever comment the other day when we saw her. How how old are you, Harley? And she's a Sweet little girl. And she said, I'm three. And I said, When are you four? And she said, On my birthday, silly.
1: <laughs> oh, very good. So uh, sounds like some, some funny games. Along the way, um, you've uh, you've obviously gone in and seen some people and and uh, and done some things along the way. What uh, what's the diet been like? Don't tell me it's been chew, chew and spew the whole way. Have you guys been oh, uh, no, looking no. after yourselves?
0: No, no, we had uh, we had uh, really nice, freshly caught uh, fish at, at Mallacoota, and then we had uh, roast duckling with an orange source in Canberra with my friend Ken, and uh, yeah, no, we've been doing well, mate. I mean, I'm sure your podcast listeners don't want to listen to about my road trip, though. why don't we talk about motor racing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look Road trips are uh, road trips are a a big part of Australian uh, way of living, really. like uh, you know we've got to travel a fair way to get uh, to get anywhere. Uh, but look, you're right, and uh, the most recent road trip I went on, was to uh, the that big old track out in central western New South Wales, Mount Panorama. I saw you there. Uh, I saw both of you there quite a bit, uh, hanging out in the big Repco trackside store. JB, not too much racing for you at Mount Panorama, but lots of uh, photos and signatures and kissing babies on the head with your good mates at Rare, Rare Spares uh, inside yeah. that Repco trackside store. You were kept busy over, the, over those few days.
0: Yeah, it was good. I... I... You know, rare Spares is a part of the Repco world now, and uh, I've been a Rez Spares person for, you know, I think more than 15 years, but I can't quite remember exactly. They're terrific people, so the management has not changed at all, and Repco have given them, you know, way more resource, so they're doing a lot, a lot more things. And, you know, I mean, it never ceases to amaze me, first of all, how... Much stuff they make for Aussie cars, Fords, and Holdens. That's the first thing from way back to the early model Holdens to up to you know PS Commodores now. And um, also how how many car people are out there? And Bathurst probably is the biggest collection of car
4: people that you're ever likely to meet.
0: So I have a bit of time to do something, but this time I wasn't racing. Our um, Car Masters are racing at the ARG meeting, the International, which is in a few weeks. Yep. So I had more time to, you know. Just
1: was your shoes at the at the end of it, just getting from uh, car park to safe ground was a, a treacherous exercise.
0: It was a challenge mate, yes. Uh, we had a I'm imagining that was pretty boggy as well. So pretty hardy group of spectators. I don't think you
1: can get that in many sports. No, no way. They've uh, they they certainly got tested. And the um, it's yeah, there was lots of comments over the weekend, uh, obviously, or particularly from people who weren't at the circuit on that Saturday, where the top ten shootout was ultimately cancelled. We saw a, the Super Two race, a Carrera Cup race, all get cancelled impossible conditions and yep. absolutely no complaints from uh, probably from anyone who was at the venue as to why they couldn't have held that top 10 shootout. We love the top 10 shootout. We always want to see it. It's one of the, uh, you know, the best, it's not, it's not a race, but it's uh it's an event in itself. The, the uh, Bathurst 1000 top 10 shootout. And there was just no way they could have held that because of how impossible those conditions were
0: absolutely the, the i you know I mean, <laughs> if i was uh, in it i would have voted very heavily not to do it because the track that's why it's such a good feature the top 10 shootout and why the race is such a, a magnificent race is because of the circuit but when it's that wet it's almost impossible to get around it you know it has rivers running across it and uh, areas where there is a bit of grip and areas where there's absolutely none and you get aqua planning and it's just, you know, it's just impossible. So I think it's the first time in history that it's been cancelled, but it was rightly so. And whoever made the judgment call, I imagine it was the race director. did the right thing for sure.
1: Yeah, so I think the stat, that was the first time that the top 10 shootout had been cancelled. But the only other time that the race hadn't been set by the outcome of the top 10 shootout was 1988. And I sound like a massive nerd here rolling this out. I should be working for V8 Sleuth. But um, it was 1988 where they held the top 10 shootout, but it was the year that the... Uh, Asia-Pacific Touring Car ti- was part of the Asia-Pacific Touring Car title uh, and the top 10 shootout was run but it didn't actually determine or change the order of the uh, of the top 10 um, so 88-7
0: uh, it was a round of the world Touring Car Championship uh, 88 was uh, maybe it was because there was a there were FIA official's that's right. So yeah, you might
1: be right. it was uh, it was something like that, and I'm sure uh, Noonan will get real upset if I've got it wrong, but uh, I'm pretty sure I've got that right. Um, okay. Cool. So uh, so you guys are heading up, you uh, heading up north there, um, very close to, or I guess uh, so, certainly closer than what I am to uh, the Gold Coast Street uh, Circuit, which is going to be back on the supercars bill in a couple of weeks time and uh, you would have driven past uh, surface paradise i'm sure you you probably didn't take the detour through surface paradise you've probably stayed on the uh, on the main road there but it's kind of cool that um you know as much as we love bathurst and all of the great things that the great race brings us uh, we do have uh, a whole bunch of other cool events in australia and and Surface Paradise is one of those. It's been off the calendar for a couple of years. But I'm yes. sure you'll agree that it's uh, it's great to have it back.
0: Grant, I used to love driving on the streets of Surface Paradise. I, I really enjoyed it because it's, it's, it's uh, it really encourages
4: uh, flamboyance.
0: Um, but every year I raced there, there was always controversy about kerbs. Curb limits and you know, all that sort of stuff. So, that's something that needs to be uh, addressed, in my opinion. I'm sure it will. You know, we've got to. I've been very impressed with the, the race director this year, James Taylor. Mm-hmm. He's, he does a great job, and uh, yeah, because there's always controversy and penalties and things when people jump over curbs. So, either they they make them so high that if you jump over them, you land in the ocean, or they need to be more lenient. There needs to be something to happen. That's my conversation about streets and service paradise, but it's a terrific event. Lots, of, I know lots of people go there because they use the time as a holiday. It's a lovely holiday destination. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be watching from TV, on TV, though. I won't be uh, being there. We've only run Turika Masters there once, and those old cars, it's a bit too easy to damage them. Yep. Um, and they're not easy to get bits for. so I, I'm glad we're not there. We're going to Adelaide though, which you know is a, is a similar thing, but not quite as risk taking.
1: That's right. Yeah, a little bit a uh, little bit wider on the streets of uh, Adelaide compared to surfers. Um, uh, there's still not much room for error in Adelaide, but. Absolutely no room for error at uh, Surface Paradise, um, mate. You're a uh, a long time open wheel fan uh, and driver here in Australia. S five thousand are going to be at both Surface Paradise and Adelaide. How do you feel that those cars are going to go around those two venues?
0: Oh, they'll, they'll go terrific because they're really terrific cars. Um... You know, you can't take liberties with an open wheeler that you can with, a like, a supercar or a touring car or, or a GT car or whatever. I remember uh, I raced a GT Ferrari there one year and, and uh, I was in the team, Marinello Motorsport team, with the late Alan Simonson. And he, he hit the back, you know, the, the ocean side straight. They got that double chicane thing. He hit it so hard it broke the gearbox off the back of the engine. hmm so it's you know you got to bear that in mind if you're in an open wheeler. But having said that, the Indy cars race there many 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 times. So you know it's I think it's terrific that they those cars will get the exposure. They sound good, they look good, and and the, the drivers that drive them well could drive anything well. That's why I was a little disappointed to say that Joey Mawson didn't get a gig in the Bathurst 1000 as as a as a rookie, you know, as a co-driver. Yeah, because he's a, he's he's quite an impressive young driver. He's done a lot of racing overseas. You know, he would adapt quite quickly, uh, even though he's a rookie. So you know, I hope someone listens to that. Maybe listens
4: to me. That'd be a surprise. <laughs>
1: um, so uh, and look, I think James Golding is a reasonable example of that because Absolutely. I know he did uh, you know a little bit of supercars before S five thousand, but. His last couple of years have really been all about S five thousand. He's been given another shot in supercars, and yeah, he's taken taken a team that has been, you know, sort of cellar dwelling into a a mid pack, if anything, on the fringe of regular top tens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, they had yeah, he had terrific pace at uh, at Baptist as well. They had a bit of bad luck, which which a lot of people had, but. Yeah, he's, he's really showing well and, and very good to see that the team owner, who I don't know, but I know people that know him and he, he's really committed and he's got an alliance with Triplate, with uh, you know, equipment and things like that. So he's serious about it, you know, and, and that's that's great news for someone like James who's who's quite young. But James drove us, there's quite a few
4: young guys drive S5000s pretty bloody well, you know, so Mm.
0: something that, and the budget for it is way, way, way less than a Super 2. So it's, you know, you don't have to race in Super 2 to be able to race a a supercar, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Uh, Hey, Leslie, do you get sick of hearing about race cars?
3: No, I love it. She's, a, she's a, I'm a long-time
0: She's a long-time fan. fan, mate, although well, I wouldn't say fan. No. <laughs> she has chased me for 30-odd years, oh, though, uh-huh. so that's sort
3: of a The fan, other way isn't. around, actually, Grant.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> a long story. I'm sure you'll listen don't want to know
3: about it. I've been going to Bathurst
0: since I was five years old, so uh, yeah, it's a fam- very family-orientated sport. Yeah, oh. uh, his family are great fans uh, or, you know, followers. Fan- I don't like the word fan much, but... They followers of racing, and uh, her brother Steve, he goes every year and has gone for how long? Forty
4: or So yeah,
0: he's a, he's a camper up the back of the pits every year, and you know they're just enthusiasts, and, and you see a lot of that as you travel around the country.
3: I still get that magical feeling every time we pull into Bathurst. That excitement at this age that <laughs> I did back when I was five. Isn't that fantastic?
1: yeah very good very good I tell you what by the uh, by Saturday and Sunday of the recent repco bathus 1000 the excitement had waned away because I couldn't feel my feet because they waterlogged and my shoes were completely ruined and I could have thought of a million different better places to be other than be there but um you're right it, it it's it's a special place it's it's a special race what was your first uh, Bathurst 1000 that you remember
3: Leslie uh,
1: no, for Leslie. It's JB, okay. we know all about you. My
4: first,
3: 1976, I was five years old. I remember standing on top of my dad's car and going, i oh, shit. <laughs> and her
0: her mum uh, was a great uh, fan of, of Alan, Buffett Alan Buffett. Yeah. And Alan used to look after them with, you know, merch and things like that. So, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's, it's got a good long tail. And, uh, you know, we... we uh, have known each other for an awful long time. We've just decided to. Uh, when I had I had a cancer scare, as you as you know, and Leslie decided she'd come and look after me, and I can't get rid of him.
1: Ah, uh, that's that's nice. He's so
3: lovely. No, that's
1: he? a
0: joke. He's so
3: he's lovely. Joke, he thinks he's funny. Um, I, I, funny. I actually sat on Alan Moffat's knee as he rolled out the car, and they came one and two at Sandown. Um, that's Alan Moffat used to give me the merchandise when I was. From I was about 10 years old. My mum held his leather jacket one day when he had an interview and um, he forgot about it and we came back with it. and said, here, Mr Mossett, this is your jacket. Um, and he, ever since then, used to stop, let us in. We talked to Greg Hampstead, um, you know, Klaus Kneefish, all those people were, were part of my world. So it's been a long time I've been a motor racing fan.
1: Yeah, terrific, uh, and great, uh, great, mem- great memories as well. Uh, what uh, just just thinking about the, the you know, they uh, they're iconic races and uh, iconic drivers that that you've met over the journey. Can you t- tell me uh, one favorite favorite fable, one favorite story that you've picked up from uh, going to the race tracks over these years? Um, telling
3: Peter Brock, I didn't want his his, his autograph, but. <laughs> But I wasn't interested. Oh, no. It probably, was. I've never seen a man's face drop as oh. much as me saying no, thank you. I don't need your your autograph Mr drop.
1: Now, yeah. the, and and this is because you were a lover of the blue oval, not so much I'm the lion.
3: A Ford fan from birth, so I the only Holden I'll ever shout was the Tarana John's in now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
3: it's
4: amazing. No, it's it's good
0: actually. It's good because. I mean, it's the bottom line is I'm a race, motor racing enthusiast and a car enthusiast, and have been since I was a baby. So you know, it's 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 nice to interact with somebody that actually knows a bit about it. You know, yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's good. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, it's the uh, the Ford and Holden rivalry. Uh, I guess uh, these these days, certainly myself, I have to be pretty pretty unbiased and yeah. uh and really once I took on uh, professional roles in as a journalist or uh, within the media or, or all the roles I've done all of those uh brand allegiances I put to aside I was a uh, I grew up as a Ford fan and yeah. um, may not necessarily have rejected Peter Brock's autograph however uh, I did certainly follow uh follow the Fords and you, and you see so much passion from Ford fans and from Holden fans and and from uh, all the people who love the sport but it's exactly like uh, and and sometimes you might think oh geez that Ford fan or that Holden fan you know might be just a little bit over the top but have a look at footy fans and Collingwood fans or Carlton fans or, or, uh, Parramatta Eel fans, or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, they are so one-eyed and they love their, their team or their brand and they, they wear it on the sleeve. Some of them literally wear it on the sleeve by having it tattooed on their skin. Um, but that passion, it's just great to see uh, how much passion still exists. Uh, you know, all these years on, as uh, the the you know your parents Leslie who uh, went to the uh, went to the race and and supported it have passed it on to their generation and and uh, and uh, I trust you're passing it on to the next as well.
3: Correct, correct. I, I took my daughter to Sandown for the first time she's not really they're not really racing kids. But showed her where her um, her nan, my mum's quite sick at the moment, and uh, my my father's passed away. So where her nan and granddaughter used to sit and watch the car races and told her a lot of stories so she really enjoyed the history that comes with being a racing fan so we'll see her again at Sandown to the Historic and um, hopefully next year she'll come to a few more races
0: Yeah she was, she really you know that's the Australian Racing Group Sandown which was, the weather was not much better than Bathurst but there wasn't a the mud <laughs> It
1: was, but, uh, wasn't great was it? No
0: it wasn't great she, she, uh, Her name's Bailey, she hadn't had any exposure to sort of racing, and, and she actually really loved it. She loved the Touring Car Masters. She, you know, she was...
3: We have a really good family in the Touring Car Masters, so it reminded her very much of um, yeah. human-powered vehicles when she was a young kid.
0: You know, where everybody gets on well, mostly anyway, and uh, it's a, it's, she a, loved a, it. it's good... I mean, from my point of view, as Brad Jones taught me to say, back to me, <laughs> I, um, Touring Car Masters, kept me in motor racing, really. I mean, uh, I I love those cars. I love the racing. You know, it's it's just been terrific, and I hope I can do it for a bit longer. It's interesting. I was um, listening today to an interview with Martin Brundle, who's a commentator for Formula One in Australia, on our telecast, and uh, he, he was asked a question. Do you think a car without downforce is easier to drive than a car with downforce. And he said, no, the car without downforce is more difficult to drive than a car with downforce, which is what I think. You know, downforce has been invented a long time ago, and it's very difficult to make it go away. But our, our Touring Car Masters have got no downforce, zero. So I think that's one of the reasons
1: that people like it, like those cars, you know. Added to the fact that they probably grew up around them. So it adds to the popularity of the category. Mm. No, it is, uh, Touring Car Masters, definitely one of our favourites. And I uh, so, uh, of course, it's uh, the Touring Car Masters is part of uh, now the Australian Racing Group, and we see it mainly or, or certainly sometimes on, on the Speed Series, which is kind of part of my world, which I look after the media management. But um, Richard Crail who uh, is on the Speed Series commentary team and has been part of the Touring Car Masters uh, media squad, uh, I think since its inception uh, or since, since it became Touring Car Masters, I think it was about 07, 08, Richard Crail was part of it back then. And yeah. we always have these little competitions between us about who... Um, Richard and I have these little competitions who can get, uh, you know, the most likes, the most shares, the most uh, interaction on uh, the social medias. Unfortunately, the power of touring car masters is embarrassingly too good. And he couldn't put up the most, just any, any photo of any car. And, uh, and it will get more likes and more shares and more comments than if I put in, Ten hours of effort into uh, a uh, one of the other categories and put it up on its uh, social media. So um, the uh, the touring car masters right, so is extremely popular. Well, yeah, of okay, course right. we don't. Yeah, we don't get to race on the track again. You get to race against your mates on the track. Me and Richard are geeks, and we uh, we have uh, social <laughs> social media races. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's good. I wouldn't say they're all my mates,
4: but some of
1: them are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah JB, your uh, your socials are out of control as well. you uh, you do it so well and it's so uh, real and uh, authentic. I know you have a little bit of uh, help with it with uh, your old mate who might uh, post some of these things for you, but I know that you write the content uh, yeah, I do. and and yeah, you yeah. you know you get the photos and you you send it on and send it out to the world. And you get such a terrific response. Um, That must uh, bring a little smile to your doll.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. I I was, like, introduced to it by a mate, and uh, I didn't really think that much of it. But it's it's grown to such an extent that I feel like...
1: For any of our listeners out there, if you uh, if you're not following John Bow, then you need to get around it because I think just about everyone else who likes uh, Australian motorsport is uh, is is a follower of, of yours. And um, yeah, it, there you, is you a should... slight
4: bit of
0: confusion, Grant, because uh, no. back, back early in the days, we started the the one where the, the picture is of myself and Jason Richards, who was my friend, the late Jason Richards is a very good friend, and it says John Bauer, sports person, and there's another one, another Facebook page with me with a hoodie on it, you know, wearing a hoodie, and yeah. that's not, you know, it is, they're both mine, but it's I don't know quite how to delete that one, so <laughs> people get a bit confused sometimes, but but it's good, it's lovely, I, I like it, and uh, and I have a, you know, a, as you know, a very deep interest in motorsport, so so uh, yeah.
1: Continue. Yeah, very good. Very good. Leslie, is there, uh, is there many uh, female rivals on there trying to tune JB uh, sli- sliding into always, his DMs? There's,
3: there's always <laughs> girls trying, but most of them don't have teeth. Or,
4: oh, Leslie, or, that's uh, a shock. <laughs>
3: <thing to say. laughs> most, of the, most of them are just boarding fans, but there are a few um, that try. But John's, John's pretty loyal to me. <laughs> I think. <laughs> and it is not. I'm well, not I'm well, you are
0: stir, you I've got a, a black belt
3: in karate. I've got a black belt in karate, Grant. So um, <laughs> I was,
0: I was world champion. So if you want to, I actually represented on. Australia <laughs> in karate, mate. So I, 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 I know my place very much. I, <laughs> I, I
1: definitely, I, head. I definitely know who I'm not messing with uh, at the track <laughs> next time. That is for sure. Um, okay, cool. Hey guys, uh, thank you so much for uh, letting me join you on your road trip. At the end of your road trip. Uh, you're not uh, not too far away. Are you going to spend any time? You're on your way to Noosa, so um, yeah, you, I can imagine it's better weather than it is uh, out here in Melbourne, which half the state is flooded. So you've yeah, um, you've made the escape at the right time. Are you going to spend any time on the beach or uh, or anything like that while uh, while you're up there?
0: I'm not a beach type.
3: We'll probably go to a lovely
0: restaurant. It's, it's just a nice part of the world and be in
3: the sun.
0: It's uh, you know it's lovely. Got a lovely feel about it, and it's you know it's just nice to be there. And but people are very few, happy. Only for a few days, uh, yeah, then we'll be back. Back um, to
3: race at Sandown.
0: I've got a, I'm going to drive Joe, my friend Joe Colleges, Mustang in the, the group in Historics at Sandown Historic Meeting BHRR, and then then we go to Baptist for the Baptist International, which would be a really good meeting, you know. I'm a big fan of those TCR cars. I think they're terrific, terrific race categories. Like they have amazing races, and I, I, I've always been a supporter of it. Um, I, don't I I want to drive one in any particular way, but but I just think it's, it's a spectacle for three of
4: breast racing. They're, it's a really good category, so I can't
1: wait to get there to be honest i'll have been to basses by the end of this year i'll
0: have been to basses five times this year so yeah i might as well get a house up there that is a that is a very good idea that
3: is a very good idea why don't you buy one
1: yes exactly exactly um cool hey uh look thank you so much for uh for yeah letting me come on your uh road trip up there i hope everyone has enjoyed it i've got a couple of extra things to come afterwards but uh, for now i'll leave uh jb and leslie to finish their leisurely drive up the east coast of australia uh, and guys we look forward to seeing you either Sandown historics or at the bathurst international
0: it Absolutely,
1: so much. Always good to see you. See if you can get me an interview somewhere on TV. <laughs> you know, that's always
0: good. Always good for your profile. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See
1: you, mate. Great. Yes, great to have John and Leslie on the Parked Up podcast. Nice to travel with them on their uh, the end of their little road trip. Now, uh, just to finish off this episode, I've got a couple of extra little bits for you all. Mark Fogarty had a long and extended chat with Eugene O'Rocker. Of course, he's the CEO of Motorsport Australia. They had a big chat about the Mount Panorama circuit. You might have heard some of that on Parked Up Plus on Monday. But here is the full chat. And of course, folks asking the big CEO, the big hard-hitting questions Fogues with Eugene on Parked Up.
2: All right, Eugene, we're recording. So the, oh, yeah, the general I'll run thing the about... Yep.
1: Yeah, I'll run,
5: I'll run through the quotes and then you can ask me questions. So the quotes are basically, credit must go to the council, the Bathurst Regional Council, and our Motorsport Australia official who worked extremely hard to make racing possible last weekend at the Bathurst 1000. The conditions were treacherous and provided a number of challenges that were not ideal for such a high profile event, but a number of workarounds were put in place and allowed the race to go ahead as planned. We will work closely with the council on any future upgrades to the circuit and also continue to lobby government to provide further support for our motorsport facilities to ensure they are the best they can be, particularly Bathurst, which is so highly regarded internationally. Whilst we know these conditions aren't going to be present every year, it would be foolish to think that we're not going to get heavy rainfall again in October or have extreme weather events. So therefore, it's important that we continue to see how the track, how the mountain is able to cope with these sort of conditions to ensure that we can still put on a race uh, despite those conditions. So so that's basically the, the sort of overall global statement. You know, there were some things that we observed during the weekend where um, – uh, there was probably uh, opportunities to uh, secure um, the track in a better way, uh, but often these things are revealed under extreme circumstances and the ability to to move quickly to fix things are not easy. So we, we do a debrief, we'll put some recommendations to the council, uh, we'll talk to them about how it can be improved. There are limitations on what they can do on the mountain, given it's a public road. And the deluge was so huge, so significant that uh, even the best drainage might have struggled uh, given those conditions. But overall, Mark, um, we felt that it was a fantastic event. I've actually had people ring me, as they always do after Bathurst, to say what a fantastic event, all, all the way down to the end. And I think that's still um, very important to know.
1: That's That's it.
2: all very well, Eugene. But it's Australia's greatest domestic motorsport event and it's Australia's greatest domestic racetrack. It really should do better.
5: Well, um, uh, well that's, that's an opinion, Mark, and I respect that opinion.
2: It is um, an opinion, of course, yes. It is,
5: absolutely. Um, and my view would be that um, uh, every race provides an opportunity to go back to the well and see what can be done to make this track much better than it could be, or it is, You only have to look at footage of, in fact, they've played a lot of footage over the weekend of historical stuff, and you can see how far and how much this venue and this track has come since, you know, the the early 80s and and 70s and whatnot. So I think it's a bit harsh, Mark, to be able to to say that, um, you know, this is could be better or is must be better. I think the council will listen to you and others with those opinions and make its own decision, but we will always... Strive to be better and work with them, remembering again that it is a public road. It's not a racetrack as such. It's it's a it's a racetrack for five days a year, or sorry, five weekends a year. Um, but I do know that this council is particularly passionate. The mayor and all the councillors know the, know the value of this asset, both to motorsport and to the, in Australia and internationally. Um, and I would be confident. I am confident that. There'll be some learnings from the weekend, but we always take away in any motorsport event uh, to see how we can improve. So, again, respect your opinion. Um, I think we, we've we managed well in the trialling circumstances that we were confronted with, and we'll take some learnings away from that. I don't think there's been a deluge that big that sustained for some time. And so, like everything in life, when something happens that may have been a little bit unexpected, you learn a little and take it away and improve.
2: Well, you say that, but 1987, 1992, 2000, there have been incidents in between and climate modelling suggests that heavy rain is not going to go away. I take your point and I don't debate that the Bathurst Regional Council and the other partners in the Bathurst 1000 or the Mount Panorama Track, their intent is great, but we're still talking about the greatest racetrack in Australia and it has flaws. I know you say it's a street track, but surely we should expect more and I'll get on to spectator facilities in a moment.
5: So, Mark, as always, we will always support uh, additional infrastructure, support or capital investment in our tracks the new south wales government reportedly reportedly offered millions of dollars millions of dollars to secure the grand prix from 2025. i say to the government where's all that money gone now that you didn't get the grand prix have you cast have you cast your eye over the opportunity to spend money on venues in new south wales which is the biggest state for motorsport uh consumption in australia and we've written to the premier and we've posed the question given your commitment and your interest in spending allegedly um, millions of millions of dollars over a 10-year deal to secure an event that would happen once a year we've asked we have posed the question to the government and to the premier could you not consider taking the opportunity to use some of that money to improve the venues you've got and perhaps invest in other venues that you don't have, particularly given in the context of where Wakefield is at the moment. And I reckon it's only a matter of time, if I get the 20,000 signatures, probably by the end of next week and it'll come up in parliament, and that'll be an opportunity to talk about this and other related issues. But um, I don't think the council should be alone in this. Um, it is an iconic state and national track. And like everything we say to governments, don't miss the opportunity to improve what you've got for the betterment of motorsport because it actually gives you a return and that includes the spectator facilities um, which you're about to touch on so we are always supportive of making tracks better and getting government support for that but I do ask the question and pose the question if you're prepared to spend millions allegedly more than a billion to secure an event and that's without the actual cost of putting it on that was just to get it let alone build a venue or, you know, find another track to put the Grand Prix on because my information was that they weren't keen on going to Sydney Motorsport Park. And that might have mitigated against them a little bit. um, Why wouldn't you divert some of what was considered to be spendable money on motorsport generally? Because for the other 51 weeks of the year that you would have, even if you did have a Grand Prix, Motorsport is driven by circuits. And so, anyway, I think I've gone on for a bit of a rant, but I can, uh, yeah, I, I understand what you say, fully supportive. There's never enough money, in my opinion, to go into motorsport venues and circuits. And we would certainly support you and anyone else falling for more funding to improve venues, including Bathurst. So we'll do our debrief. We'll work with the council to see where improvements can be made and support them in any funding requirements they may need to be able to get that track uh, to be the showcase that it should be.
2: No, good rant. No, excellent rant. And a Formula One Grand Prix at Sydney Motorsport Park. Hmm. Yeah, not (laughs) quite convinced. But no, back to Mount Panorama, the iconic circuit. Are you, Supercars, Bathurst Regional Council, all the stakeholders, well, isn't it time you combined and petitioned, if you like, the state government and the federal government to improve facilities, particularly for spectators? Because, yeah, the Pit Lane complex, complex which is now a decade old, that's, yeah, it's world class ish. But honestly, mate, the rest of the place, as we found on the weekend, yeah, it's, it's not ideal.
5: I think there's a balance there, Mark, and I I agree that it's pretty tough on spectators uh, sleeping in a tent or in an RV surrounded by mud. Um, But you can't concrete the mountain. The only way you could really improve spectator comfort would be to give them a hard stand. And the reality is, as you know, the vision or or the sort of spectre of laying Hundreds of tons of concrete at the back of Bathurst, um, the track, or inside the track, to be able to accommodate those spectators. If that's one of the proposals, for example, would be uh, challenging to say the least, particularly given our responsibility to be to the economy, also uh, to be to the environment. I think that there are, and there should be, some opportunities to see what can be done to cater for this sort of circumstance in the future. We can't just keep having uh, people slide and chop up what's there already and make it harder to recover. Um, I'm not an expert in the sort of um, work that you would need to do to improve a lot of the spectators, but you cannot build uh, uh, a a copious number of hotels around the track. We know that already. Uh, The land is privately owned. A great deal of the land is privately owned, but abounds... Be circuit it's a very unique one and therefore it needs very careful consideration to attend or sorry to to look after the spectators but one of the advantages this venue has is that the spectators come rain shine or hail uh, but i do agree that everything from pit lane to the outer areas surrounding the track deserve deserve a critical eye to see what can be done um, to ensure that the experience is better for all of the attendees um, to be able to enjoy the track without being challenged by the, by the circumstances that could be improved with a little bit of love. Um, again, these things cost money and it needs a lot of thought. I know that Aaron, that Aaron Jones and Rob Taylor and uh, all, the, all the people at the council um, would be listening and hearing and what you what you and others would say about it. Um, and look to see what they can do to improve a lot of our spectators. I hear there are 198,000 people on the mountain. Well, well, the attendance was 198,000. We know that that is over for four days and there are repeat people. But um, I, I didn't walk away or come away from the event feeling that it had failed. It was still iconic, got some great numbers, got some great attendances. And despite the conditions, um, it's still um, it's still buffed up okay. Despite what others might think. So look again, feel I'm rambling a bit, but um, there is a limit to what you can do um, when you don't necessarily control all of the mountain and all of the space and all of the area. And um, we, I don't know that um, laying slabs of concrete to make it more comfortable for people to be able to park their trucks and, and caravans is necessarily a solution.
2: No, but there are other ways, you know, gravel areas that drain. But I I appreciate your point. But I at least think that the most iconic racetrack in Australia deserves a proper grandstand. Now, there is a grandstand on Pitt Strait, but, mate, I've seen better pavilions in regional Australia, surely Mount Panorama and the Bathurst One Thousand deserves a proper full-length grandstand, don't you think?
5: Oh, you wouldn't get an argument from me about Bathurst or any other venue that deserves a grandstand. It is tired, you know that better than I do because you've been to more than I have, um, and it doesn't go the length of that first that first oh um, yeah you know, the pit straight. And I would think that if government wanted to start investing in this venue, it would start on either side of pitch straight. Um, And certainly we would support a call for for that. As I said, if I were prepared to spend millions of dollars, uh, allegedly, uh, and they showed great disappointment when they missed out on the 10-year deal that Victoria somehow managed to achieve, um, you'd have to really ask the question, Mr Perrottet, why not put some money into what is probably regarded as one of the four or five best tracks in the world, in the world. I mean, we know it's the best track in Australia, but it's it's arguably its international status is bigger than any other venue we have, uh, yeah. other than Albert Park, if you want to call it that. So I'd again support, if, if we had to start somewhere, uh, pitch straight and the uh, grandstand would be a fantastic starting point. Uh, but I do still think the other elements regarding spectator and uh, accommodation are a growing issue because i can tell you from personal experience the cost of accommodation in bathurst is out- is outstandingly high The demand has driven it's probably one of the more, most expensive rental spaces for a weekend in this country year round when it comes to renting space to go to the, uh, to, to go to that weekend but money that gets driven into that region is Extraordinary. You know, restaurants are full, clubs are thumping, takeaways can't can't get enough food in, um, and the hotels are all full. And uh, and, and so the hospitality is at a premium. Um, I do think that there's some value in investing in more hospitality in particular so that people can actually, um, you know, stay up the mountain in comfort without necessarily having to rough it in a camp tent. Um, But, yeah, I do believe what you've suggested and what you've proposed makes absolute sense. I'd be lining up behind you if there was a rally to improve the grandstand or extend the grandstand and also, you know, do some work around the pit lane.
2: It's a goldmine event for the region, as it should be. So, all right, I'm proposing now, along with Save Sandown, which, of course, has been my core celebra for years, a new one, Boost Bathurst.
5: I'm happy with Boost Bathurst. I mean, maybe we've got to careful, be careful about the, uh, uh, Peter Adderton. Peter you might claim that Boost is his word, but Boost, bang, improve, whatever you want to call it, um, I, I'm absolutely supportive. I love Bathurst. Been, I still get, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck go up when I see that magnificent mountain as you're coming down the highway. And, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Jonathan Brown and Nathan Buckley at the Grand Prix and they were getting taken around for a being in one of the Audi GTs. And I said, boys, and they were just buzzing. They said, oh, this is fantastic. I said, you've got to go to the mountain. And I know John O'Brown wants to go to the mountain. If we can squeeze him into a car and get him to do a lap. um, That's the sort of uh, iconic status that, that that mountain has. He said, I want to go to Bathurst. Let me know when when that's possible. I said, Brownie, you can go anytime you want. But it cuts across... It's part of a vernacular, and so any campaign to boost Bathurst, um, you know, give it more bang, uh, you know, bring 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 some funding to it, is a fantastic and worthy cause, one that I'd support, and I reckon everyone in motorsport would support because we don't want to let Bathurst suffer from, uh, you know, uh, a lack of investment.
2: Well, luckily... and
5: what I think, and what I think, Mark, is that mm. governments continue to underestimate underestimate the financial regional community social benefits of motorsport they just don't get it in some cases i don't want to be overly critical but i find myself regularly explaining to them how important motorsport is and the automotive industry generally in terms of aftermarket um, two wheels and four it is big it is very big and i think the, the more work we do and we are doing work in this space i can tell you that we've uh We've got a parliamentary Friends of Motorsport function at the Queensland Parliament on the 25th, 26th of October in the lead up to Gold Coast. We've got some 30 MPs attending that. And our message will be to educate them more than anything else about the impact that motorsport has, not only in Queensland, but around the country. So uh, having people like you call for a to be given a bit more love, it would be something we're behind.
2: Oh, well, luckily you're not a name dropper, as you said to the Queen. Oh, sorry, the King. The King, it is now. Yeah.
5: Well, no, it's just one of those moments when it's just one of those moments where you know there's two leading sporting identities yeah. who are, you know aren't racers but talked about Bathurst.
2: No, indeed, it's a treasured location that should be well more than promoted. It should be elevated. Anyway, question without notice. You're the man in the hot seat. Where are we with the uh, proposed Melbourne Super Circuit?
5: Victorian Governors made it very clear that they are committed to helping to build and find the home of motorsport. They call it the Victorian Home of Motorsport, but either way, they've made public announcements about being committed to working to find and develop a home of motorsport. Um, all I can say is that we continue to work with government to see if we can achieve that ambition. And I feel it, and I'm feeling very optimistic. We're talking Victoria.
2: We, yep. We've speculated that the circuit will be west of Melbourne and the latest we reported is somewhere around or maybe Avalon Airport. Are we close?
5: It's a moving, it's a moving, it's an ever moving uh, scenario, Mark. You're not too far off. The West is an area that doesn't have a track in real terms. It doesn't have a track. And you would think to get true balance in life, you need to look after both sides, East and West, North and South. Um, And I think there's an opportunity there.
1: And of course, you can hear more from Mark Fogarty on Parked Up Plus. That's every Monday, 5 p.m., Uh, hitting you with the latest news and views from Australian and international motorsport. Of course, that's on the same platform as this, your favorite parked-up platform, of course. This is what you guys always listen to. Um, One of our other favorite podcasts is the Girls on the Grid. Now, Tanea and Priya have been doing an awesome job, and recently they sat down with Coral Taylor, four-time Australian rally champion, of course, as a co-driver, and her daughter has gone on to uh, go pretty good too. She's also a Australian Rally Champion in her own right. Um, but uh, Coral had a, a really cool chat with Tanea and Priya recently. And there was this uh, small little snippet when I was listening through um, uh, something that I really wanted to play for you guys a, um Coral talks about a uh, a pretty large incident that she had and uh, I guess the way that she uh, dusted it off like uh, it, it hardly even happened was, uh, was pretty impressive. So uh, here's a little excerpt from uh, the latest Girls on the Grid.
3: Now, I've just got to ask, as someone myself, I like to be in control and I like to do things my own way. As a Rally co-driver you're kind of strapped in next to someone else who has full control. What's that feeling like to be you know you're you're not controlling the vehicle, you're going very fast and lots of things are coming up. Talk to us a little bit about that feeling and that, yeah, what it feels like to to sit next to someone and tell them where to go, really, but at the end of the day, you're not not in control of the vehicle. It's a lot of trust, I guess True. you' to trust someone, trust someone True. a lot. <laughs>
6: Yeah true and then that's the big thing I always say to people that relationship between a driver and a co-driver is based on 100% trust because you know and I would be the biggest control freak in the world so you know I'm in control of my side of the car Neil's in control of his side of the car for me I'm just lucky I've spent so many years sitting beside someone who's so competent in that seat so I don't have to worry about his competency. I don't sit in there thinking, oh, dear, I hope you don't crash because, you know, I don't speak to because I know his abilities. And the driver, co-driver teamwork within a car, which is probably what I really love about rallying, is that you are totally involved in everything that's happening. And essentially you're holding each other's lives in your own hand. And if I say to people, you know you're approaching a blind crest in the road and you might be approaching in sixth gear and you're doing 200 kilometers an hour and if I say flat crest you know Neil will hold it flat that you won't back off you trust what the co-driver is telling you and you drive to that and people sometimes think oh you know they wouldn't commit totally and then I tell the story about um Rally Australia can't remember what year quite some years ago when we had a At the time we had a WRC Corolla and that was the last event we were doing in that car and the car had been sold to a European team. And so Neil naturally didn't really want to do that rally because he didn't want to chance anything happening to the car because the car had been sold. But we were committed with our sponsorship with Toyota and we had to do that rally. And the boys had all sorts of plans like, how about we just go over the start ramp, drive a few kilometres, oh, dear, got an electrical problem and the car stops. And and I was pretty dirty at those ideas because I really, really wanted to do this event. And also there were quite a few other international competitors in the identical Corolla WRC car, so I wanted to benchmark ourselves. So in the end there were there were, there were quite, Neil, Daryl and I had a lot of chats and in the end we decided, okay, well, we'll just, it's a three-day event, we'll just do day one. And at the end of day one, oh, dear, we would have some mysterious electrical problem and we'd park the car. Anyway, we did day one and we were doing really well and we were really enjoying ourselves. So the, the same argument happened again about, no, 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 we need to get going. And so we decided we'd do the second day. And on the second day we crashed and rolled into a, paddock of uh, in a pine plantation and they recently logged the paddock so it was a paddock full of um, tree stumps that was left and we left the road at quite high speed and I still can't tell you how many times we rolled but basically we rolled this through a heap of stumps so when we came to land the car looked pretty off and what about you guys
3: uh, oh we were we were
6: fine Oh, thank God. Oh, we were just so <laughs> devastated and then, and it was just started to rain. So it was this miserable scene of two very sad people standing in the mud in amongst a car that looked pretty awful in the middle of tree stumps. And Neil said to me at that point, he said, you said that corner was a five. So on our system we go one to six. One is a slow hairpin. Six is a very fast, slight corner. So a five is a very fast corner. But this corner was actually a 90-degree corner, which is a three. And I said, no, I didn't. I said it was a three. He said, no, you didn't. You said it was a five. So the point I'm trying to illustrate here is that that commitment and trust in the notes. Neil thought I said five, so he held it at a very fast speed, that you could drive a five around, but the corner was a 90-degree corner and we were too fast, so we had this monumental crash. So, yeah, so really I'm just telling that story to highlight the commitment to the notes and the fact that, you know, yes, I'm a control freak, but I feel totally in control in the delivery of those notes to the driver that I totally trust can execute. So that teamwork is really special. And we did stand in that paddock for quite a few hours waiting for the stage to end before our boys could come and retrieve us, and we did spend a lot of time doing the, You said it was a three. You said it was a five. (laughs) I I actually started to question whether I had said five instead of three. And we're also talking early days for onboard cameras. Um, And we had the TV had put, I think it was Channel 10 at the time, we put the camera in the car. So when we did finally get extradited from the forest and got back to the service park, of course the camera, the TV people came running down because they all want the crash footage, and they're madly taking all this camera gear out of it. you guys just wanted to know out. what
1: you said, just proving <laughs> each other wrong.
6: I, did. I said, I said, look, before you walk away, can we just have a look at it? <laughs> and they had a little, you know, mini screen. They set it on the roof of the rally car, and but by then the crowd had grown ten deep. You know, everyone was crowded around wanting to see this footage. And I stood there and I thought to myself, if I said five, I'm going to quit. You know, (laughs) I was so horrified that I might have done that, and particularly with the added backstory of the sale of this car and not wanting to compete for the whole thing. Um, But anyway, they played it and it was as clear as a bell. It was the clearest three you've ever heard. (laughs) And uh,
1: Neil just... Poor Neil. What did he do? So he
6: just misheard. He misheard a note um, that he committed to, Yeah.
1: It'd That's be a, so easy to do though to like mishear
3: that. That level you of got, trust. Like, wow.
1: So that was a uh, a pretty cool little piece there. Uh, the trust between a co-driver and a driver is absolutely paramount, and sometimes it goes wrong. But uh, that is motorsport, and that is rallying. Um, we thank the girls for allowing us to play that little piece. Of course, you can hear more from girls on the grid. Just search that up on your favorite podcast platforms. Of course, only after you've listened to Parked Up. And right now you have listened to Parked Up. That's episode 163, something like that. No worries. We'll be back next week with uh, with more. Of course, Mark Fogarty on Monday. We thank our great partners, Bob J and T-Marts, Race Fuels, and you'll hear from us next week.
3: You've just listened to another Network R Production.